I've just got a brief little message I'm going to share, kind of wrapping up this entire series called Light of the World. And then throughout this series, uh, we've been talking about the fact that the world is a dark place, but Jesus came to be a light in the darkness. And we just heard that story uh, from the Bible that Polly shared, and that's the whole point, that he came to light up this dark world. So whether you've been here for the entire series, part of the series, or maybe you haven't been here for any of the series, don't worry, because today we're going to look at the story of Christmas from a a very personal point of view. The fact that Christmas is truly a gift. It's the greatest gift ever given, and it's meant for each of us personally, for you and for me. So if Christmas is the greatest gift ever, if the coming of Jesus is the greatest gift we could ever receive, and I believe it is, then what is the underlying story behind the birth of Jesus? How did it happen? Well, we read part of it here. Polly read that. But I want to read a different part of the story recorded for us in the Gospel of Matthew. So we're just going to kind of walk through some of these verses here together this morning. Starts with this. Now the birth of Jesus Christ took place in this way. Jesus Christ, the word Christ is a Latin form, a Greek form of the word Messiah. In, in Greek, it is Christos. In, uh, in Hebrew, it's Messiah. But they mean the same thing. Whether it's a translation that says Jesus the Messiah or Jesus Christ, it's, it means the same thing, the anointed one. Jesus, the anointed one, the long ago promised one, the one who was prophesied about. This is how this Jesus, this Christ, this Messiah was born. And then it picks up the story and it says this. When his mother, Mary, had been betrothed to Joseph, before they came together, she was found to be with child from the Holy Spirit. And her husband, Joseph, being a just man and unwilling to put her to further shame, resolved to divorce her quietly. So here they are. They are engaged, and it turns out that Mary's pregnant. And she says to people, she tells people, um, I haven't been unfaithful. I haven't been with a man. I have never uh, done anything to make myself pregnant. God visited me through an angel, and his Holy Spirit supernaturally put life into my womb. Very, very, very few people believe that story. Uh, One of them that did believe it is her her cousin, a relative named Elizabeth, because Elizabeth was an old woman, and she ended up supernaturally pregnant by God, uh, not in the sense that Mary was, but, you know, she shouldn't have been able to get pregnant, and she did, and then God said, now, you know, Not only did I do this for you, but your cousin Mary, she's got something even more spectacular that's happening. So a few people believed her, but most people didn't. And Joseph is one of those people that's, he's conflicted. Joseph cared deeply for Mary. He loved Mary. He wanted to marry her. But when you find out she's pregnant and you know it's not yours, you kind of feel like, what am I supposed to do? Because in that time and in that culture, if, if a young woman was found to be pregnant outside of marriage, um, basically you, you had every right to cut, call off the wedding. You actually could have her uh, excommunicated from, from the culture, from the village, from the community. You could even have her put to death if you wanted to. Joseph didn't want to do any of those things. Joseph actually wanted to 
go on with the marriage. The problem was if he went on with the marriage, everyone would assume that if he didn't call off the wedding, that he was the father. And if he was the father, it would destroy his reputation. It could destroy his business and his family. And so he decides, I'm a just man. I, I love Mary, but I want to follow the law. So I'm going to follow the law and divorce her, but I'm going to extend grace by doing it quietly and, and off to the side. I'm not going to make this a public spectacle. But Joseph falls asleep and he has a dream, and this is what it says. As he considered these things, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, do not fear to take Mary as your wife. Now, I think it's very interesting. He's considering these things. What's he considering? He already made his decision, I'm going to divorce her. He's considering, how am I going to do this? Like, what's the right process? Do I talk to Mary? Do I talk to Mary's father? Do I go to the priest? How do I, when do I do this? Do I do it now? Do I wait? When do I do this? What's the right timing? He's considering this whole process. Then he falls asleep and he has this dream and the angel shows up and says, Joseph, son of David, that is a big deal. He says, don't be afraid to take Mary as your wife. Don't be afraid to take Mary as your wife. But he was afraid. But jo Joseph was afraid to take her as his wife, but it's what he wanted to do. And the angel saying, what you want to do, do. Do that thing, because remember who you are. You are an heir in the line of the king. Don't be afraid to do this thing that is in your, in your heart to do. Go ahead and marry her. And then the angel says something profound. It says, angel says, for that which is conceived in her, the baby is indeed from the Holy Spirit. Don't be afraid, Joseph. Because you are an heir in the, in the line of David. Do this thing. And by the way, Mary hasn't been unfaithful. Mary isn't crazy. This truly is a God thing. Now, I have to imagine all of this is spinning around in Joseph's head. And it's a dream, but you, know, you ever have a dream and you're like, I think this is real, but I don't know. And so he's probably, I, I think the angel almost pauses at this moment and just kind of letting this all sink in as Joseph is somehow trying to wrap his mind around all of this. And then as Joseph's saying, okay, I, I can do this. I know who I am. I know, what, I, I know what's in my heart. I'm going to do this. The angel leans in and says, I got something else to tell you. She will bear a son. The baby that she's carrying is a boy, and you will call his name Jesus. Now, when Joseph hears that, he's going, okay, something is up. See, the word that we translate, the name that we translate Jesus, comes from a Hebrew word, Yeshua. In the Old Testament, it's translated as Joshua. What it means is the Lord saves, the Lord delivers. And what it told Joseph, what the people of Israel were waiting for was the next Joshua, the Messiah, the deliverer. If you remember, Moses was the lawgiver. They weren't waiting for another Moses. They were waiting for a deliverer. Joshua led the people into the promised land. And what did he do? He drove out the inhabitants, those who had no right to be there. The people of Israel are saying, we are waiting, we're waiting, we're waiting for our next Joshua. We are waiting for that deliverer who will drive out the people. And Joseph says, is Mary 
going to give birth to him? And the angel says, she's going to have a son. You're going to name him Jesus, Yeshua. I think Joseph starts to fill in the blanks because the next thing the angel says is this, for he will save his people from there. Joseph says, I know. I, he's going to save us from our oppressors. He's going to deliver us from the Romans. See, the people of Israel had been waiting for someone to deliver them from their oppressors, whether it was the Assyrians, the Persians, the Babylonians, the Greeks, and now the hated Romans, but someone was going to deliver them from their oppressors. And Joseph says, I know, he's going to deliver us from our oppressors. And as he's thinking that, the angel says, he's going to save his people from their sin. And Joseph says, ooh, time out. Baby, supernatural, name him Yeshua. I get all that, but uh, I think you missed the message. I think, Angel, you need to go back and check with, with God because I think you, you, it's like the game of telephone. He's not going to save us from it. We, we have a whole system to deal with sin. We've got temple and sacrifice. We have a whole process. We don't need to be saved from our sin. We need to be saved from someone, not some thing. We need to be saved from someone else, not from our own sin. And isn't that how, how many of us think today? We need a Savior with a sword to deliver us, to free us from someone else, from others, not ourselves. So many in the church today say, we need a leader who will save us from the liberals. That will save us from the fundamentalists. That will deliver us from the progressives. That will free us from the conservatives. We want to be saved from someone else. We want to be saved from others. We don't want to be delivered from our sin. But that is what makes Christmas so amazing is that it's a promise for us at a deeply, deeply, deeply personal level. And so Joseph hears all this. And what does he do? Thank God he does this. When Joseph awoke, he did as the angel of the Lord commanded him. Joseph woke up and said, this isn't the life I was expecting, but I will embrace this life. This isn't going to go the way I thought it was going to go, but man, it's going to be a wild ride. And I will embrace whatever it is that God is asking me to do. And I think one of the reasons why we fail to grasp the, the, um, the joy, the deep joy of the Christmas gift is because what the angel said to Joseph was this, he, Jesus, will save his people from their sins. That's what the angel said. This is what we so often hear, that he will forgive his people of their sins. Now, implicit in being saved from our sins is forgiveness. And if forgiveness was the only aspect of the gift of Christmas, it would still be the greatest gift ever given. But it's so much more than that. When we reduce Christmas to simply forgiveness, then we miss the greatest aspect or the greater aspect. I shouldn't say greatest, but the greater aspect of the, of the joy and the wonder of, and the gift of Christmas. See, Jesus came to save you from the penalty of sin, forgiveness, and the power of sin, freedom. Jesus came to offer forgiveness and freedom. 
And when we finally see that, when we can fully embrace that, it ought to fill us with joy, unspeakable joy, overwhelming joy, ecstatic joy. It's kind of like, right, later on in the story, Jesus is born, and you may be familiar with this, then uh, these, these, these magi from the east see this star, and they follow it, and they're, they're coming to see Jesus. And it says this, when they see the star... When they saw it, they rejoiced with overwhelming joy. I believe when we fully see the wonder and the majesty and the awesomeness and the fullness of the gift of Christmas, it ought to fill us with joy, overwhelming joy, unspeakable joy. It ought to fill us with childlike wonder. Listen, I love the kids up here. And one of the things I love about it is when you say, what's the greatest gift you ever got? They all want to share because they're so excited because they're full of joy. And yet we say Christmas is the greatest gift. What's the greatest gift you ever got? Oh, Jesus. I got saved once. I think we have to learn to have that childlike joy in the gift of Christmas. It reminds me of this video I saw, this little girl who received this amazing little gift. Well, let me, let me show you the video. She can do a better job of expressing joy than I ever could. I have something for you. What is it? Open it. Something very special. Pull on this right here. This. Pull this one. Yeah. <gasps> Thank you, Mama. What are you going to do with it? I am going to play with it. Aww. That is the kind of joy that we ought to have when we think of Jesus. He came to free us from the power of sin and forgive us from the penalty of sin. So Paul, who became a Christian after he hated Christians and hated the church and persecuted the church, he came to faith in Jesus Christ. And he writes these words to the Romans, and I believe it sums up what Jesus came to do the law, for the law of the spirit of life has set you free in Christ Jesus from the law of sin and death. Jesus came to set you free, to offer you forgiveness and to set you free from what? The law of sin and death. What is the law of sin and death? I can sum it up very, very simply. Wherever there's sin, there's death. When sin happens, death is a result. Sin brings death. It always brings death. And you know this. We all know this. Some of you who have marriages that have been destroyed because of sin. Some of you have finances that have been lost because of sin. Some of you have relationships that are uh, beyond repair because of their sin or your sin. Some of you have lost your sense of self-worth because of your sin or their sin. But sin always, always, always brings death. But the gift of Christmas is freedom and forgiveness. Forgiveness and freedom. The gift of Christmas brings freedom and forgiveness. That ought to fill us with joy. We ought to be like that little girl and say, thank you so much. Oh my God, thank you. 
thank you, thank you, thank you, a hundred thousand times thank you, and if we lose it, we search on our hands and knees and pick it back up and rejoice all the more. But I think so often we forget that, that the gift of Christmas brings forgiveness and freedom. Some of you are saying, but I feel powerless. I feel powerless to walk in freedom. And that's the whole point that Paul wrote in Romans. You are. It's the power and the gift of the Spirit in Christ that sets you free. You can't walk in forgiveness, but here's my prayer for some of you here this morning, that you would say, I am forgiven and I am free. And that you would you would walk in a deep sense of forgiveness and freedom that you maybe never thought was possible and you may struggle and you may stumble and you may fail and you may fall, but you get up and say, I am forgiven, I am free. Oh, thank God, what an amazing gift. And for others of you, at some point you may say, um, you know, I'm tired. I'm so very tired of living a life when I, and you might not call it sin, you may say things like this, I, I, I don't wanna do this, but I keep doing it. And I know I should do this, but I don't do it. And I know I shouldn't be here and, and do that, but I keep finding myself here and doing that. And I feel like my life isn't where I want it to be. And at some point, when you say I'm tired of being controlled by all those things, by my own selfish impulses by the self-destructive habits and a life that isn't working, when you get to that point that you would remember, and my prayer for you is that you would remember that the gift of Christmas brings forgiveness and freedom. And all you have to do is say, I want to open that gift and receive it and receive it with joy. Because the greatest gift ever given wasn't wrapped up under, in, in, in bows and wrapping paper and placed under a tree, stuffed in a stocking somewhere. The greatest gift ever given was wrapped in swaddling clothes, laid in a manger. And that gift, 33 years later, as a grown man sacrificed his life, laid down his life for you and for me. And three days later, he rose from the dead and now he is seated at the right hand of God the Father. And that gift, Jesus Christ, came to bring you forgiveness, and freedom. So I want to end with the words of the angel who said, you shall call his name Jesus for he will save his people from their sins. Heavenly Father, I pray right now that each person here, if they're struggling to find forgiveness, oh God, would forgiveness just flow into their hearts and into their lives so deep at the core of who they are they would know they're forgiven, they're forgiven, they are forgiven. God, if they're struggling to walk in freedom, God, would they realize it's the power of the Holy Spirit that sets us free from the law of sin and death. But God, they can be free, they can be free, they can be free. So God, as we, get, uh, as we prepare to leave here this morning, I ask that we would walk out of here with that childlike joy that says this is the greatest gift I could ever receive. Thank you, Daddy. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Jesus. It's in his name we pray. Amen. Amen. I'm going to invite you to stand with us. We're going to sing a couple last songs that just celebrate the goodness of God. And if you would like prayer during this time, you'd say, I'm, 
I'm struggling. I'm, I'm struggling to walk in forgiveness. I'm struggling to find freedom. Then just make your way forward. And let someone pray with you this morning that God's gift would come alive in your heart today.